0: Luke chapter two, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration with Quirinius, the governor was the governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, excuse me, who was with child. And while they were were there, the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling, swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And an angel said to them, fear not, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. And you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased thank you, Josh, for singing that beautiful song, Emmanuel, God with us. We have this story of Jesus and his birth that I i don't know if you guys are like me, but if I hear something too many times, I usually tune it out. And I, it sometimes loses the meaning of what I am hearing or even what I'm seeing or watching. And I wonder at times when it comes to Christmas, if that can be the case with the story of Jesus's birth that we lose the wonder and the miracle that it is that God was dwelling among men. Have we lost the, the beauty and the wonder of that, that that we've heard it so many times? I want you to think about this. As, as Mary was holding her baby, she was holding the full image of God, fully God, but also fully human, fully God, fully man in need of nurturing and care, and I wanna read something that Charles or Martin Luther said years ago. I changed the wording a little bit for the kids in the room, but it's, it says this, God was feeding the whole world as Mary was nursing her baby. Think about that for a moment, that God was feeding the whole world as Mary was nursing her baby, meaning that as she was, as she was growing this baby boy, he would in times save the world. He would give the world its ultimate nourishment, as Mary was carrying and nurturing her baby boy named Jesus. This would lead to the raising of the humanity of Jesus. And for me, I, sometimes I catch myself forgetting that Jesus was fully man as well. I, 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 forget, I forget his humanity at times. I see him as God and a deity, but I forget he was also fully man, that he cried like every other baby. He needed nurturing and care as every other baby does need and 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 requires. And uh, you know, we we, y'all know that. You know, you know when a a baby is born, it's, it's not the most quiet thing that you've ever been around in your entire life. There's usually a lot of noise. There's usually a lot of crying, a lot of a lot of figuring things out as you're a new parent, especially your first child. But it was his humanity is putting on of the flesh and bones that was needed to accomplish the work of being the sacrifice for our sins. So Mary was not only given the task of raising a child, which we all know is difficult, even if you are not a parent yourself, you know, and you watch these other parents so stressed out in this, this newborn phase where everybody's tired and you, you just sometimes just wanna like, do you, do you need me to come like watch the baby just so you can have a, a moment of rest or break? There's, it's, a, it's a challenge, it's, it's, it's a weight, it's a responsibility. And, and Mary, as she was raising her child, not only just being the human side of it, but also raising the very son of God, I can only imagine what was going through her mind. I know for us, in our, the reality is that, you know, we, have, we have the Bible, we have scriptures and we have parenting guidelines and we talk to people that were parents before us and we try to get wisdom and all those things. But it at times can feel like, am I doing the right thing as a parent? You ever had that question before? Am I doing the right thing? Here's Mary raising, knowing this is the very son of God. This is the savior of the world. I know Lindsay and I, when we had, had our first child and you, you go to the hospital, you, 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 you have the baby and you're there and everything's fine. You have all the nurses around you and all the equipment and everything's great. They have all like, you're taking all the diapers and you're like putting them in your bag. You're like, these things are expensive, you know? And you're, you're doing all these things. You're trying to figure out what, <laughs> y- y'all didn't do that? but you realize at some point, whenever they say, okay, it's time, here's your discharge paperwork. And you realize quickly that all the nurses aren't coming home with you anymore. They're not gonna be at your house. They're not gonna be giving you advice and wisdom and, and care as you would need in the hospital. And you realize like, I am now responsible for this little human being who in the world thought that would be a good idea to trust me with a child. You have those feelings and those thoughts when it comes to having children, raising children, marry had no nurses, no midwives, no medical training. This new husband and wife holding a baby, looking at the very face of God. The hope of the world in their arms. All the restoration needed for the human race, resting in their arms and sleeping, rocking this baby to sleep, knowing this is the savior of the world. Only God could play a story out just like this. Only God would love so much to follow through with it. But here's what we know is that there was a lot that went into the arrival of Jesus. As we have talked about over the last four weeks in our series called Advent, looking at the the arrival, the coming of Jesus, we know that Jesus was not some late add-on to the story of God. That it, it wasn't like, oh, I, I made this mistake and now I'm, I'm going to add Jesus into this story to try to, to, try to try to fix all this stuff. It was from, from the moment of our first sinning and our failure and our, 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 our running away from God and our rebellion towards God, we see that God has had promises of a Savior that was going to come. And so a lot that took to get there, Jesus coming in. That I want us to go back to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 11. 700 years prior to Jesus being born, the prophet Isaiah were, was giving these words about the Messiah. Just one verse in chapter 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. One verse. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Now, if you remember all the way back to David, David was a shepherd boy, lowly shepherd boy off in the the pasture, caring for his flock and shepherding as well as he could and doing the things that he needed to do. School is out. All right. Took me a minute to figure out if that was the fire alarm or if that was something else that was about to happen. I don't know what, maybe the rapture. I don't know. We'll see. David, and this is going to take me a while to recover from this. David, uh, shepherd boy in the field, caring for his flock, caring for the sheep. And we, we know this, David's dad's name was Jesse. If you are you remember the Bible stories and connect some dots. Jesse was the grandson of Boaz and Ruth, if you remember that story. So David is a great grandson of Boaz and Ruth, connecting those dots, seeing the, this, this bigger picture. Uh, David became king of Israel. This is after David and Goliath. We know the popularity that he, he, he came up upon him as he took down Goliath. And we see all the things that were taking place. We see the prophet Samuel anoint David. You're the king while Saul is still the king and Saul chases him and tries to kill him. David has opportunities for revenge. And what does David do? He's godly, he's righteous. He's, 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 he's living the way that he should. He doesn't take his life. Although David wasn't perfect, we know the stories but he was considered to be this great king. He became the standard by which all other kings were judged in Israel. That David was this mighty force, this powerful warrior, but not only that, that he was godly and did the right thing. God even talks about in the scriptures that he was a man after God's own heart. David became the standard. His lineage was important. His lineage ruled in generations, for generations after him. It was part of the, what is called the Davidic covenant. If you're familiar with some of those, some of the covenants in scripture, the Davidic covenant, that he would, his lineage, his his family line would rule for generations to come as kings of Israel. And then there's this promise of Messiah, a king that would come and rule as Israel. David did. Be as strong as David was, but save them from the ineptitude of bad kings. Save them from being overtaken. But here's the reality is it didn't always look like it was going to happen. There were some horrible kings that did awful things, bad things. And you see this story in the, in the Old Testament of kings, they would come into power and, it, and the scriptures will say something along the lines of, and they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And then the next king comes in and he says, and they did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And it is up and down this wave and a lot of horrible leadership and bad kings that were being put into place all in the family of David. And and he says that there's gonna be a branch, a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Isaiah is writing in this time when Israelites are in in control by the Assyrians. No end in sight. The lineage of David was going to bear fruit again. That was the promise. Generation after generation holding out hope that this stump, this, this barren looking stump was going to produce some kind of fruit again. There's gonna be some kind of new life that was gonna come up out of this stump in the ground that he, said, he calls this beautiful picture, the stump of Jesse was gonna produce growth again, hinting at Jesus. Have you, have you ever found yourself feeling like that? Does it at times feel like in the waiting that it's easier to just give up your hope rather than hold on to your hope? Do you ever find yourself trying to live in this, this, this mode of protection where you, you, you don't even want to live in a sense of hope because you want to protect yourself from being hurt if something doesn't happen? Generation after generation, there's going to be fruit that comes from the lineage of David. What do we do what do we do when it looks like there's nothing but desolation and destruction around us? What do we do when our hopes and our dreams feel like there's, there's, there's nothing but a stump in front of us or nothing but a field of stumps with our hopes and our dreams and all the things that we feel like God has called us to do and all the prayers that we have prayed, they, we look out in this field and there's nothing but stumps and destruction. Now, this may be understating it a little bit, but 2020 has been a challenging year, has it not? And we are all secretly hoping that just by the change of a date on a calendar in, a, in about a week that all of a sudden everything's gonna go back to normal again because 2020 is over and we're gonna, we're gonna do like a hard reset blow in the Nintendo 64 game and plug it back in and it's gonna work. We have this feeling that like that, that's gonna happen. But what if it doesn't? There's another class starting, okay. What if it doesn't? What if it doesn't change? What if 2021 looks a lot like 2020? Some are like, please don't say that, please ever again. But what if it does? What happens to your hope? What happens to your dreams and your goals and all the things you feel like God has called you to do? Do we give up hope? Do we trust that God is gonna do what he said he was gonna do? And I think one of the things in 2020, one, one good thing that has done, it has shown our true selves at times as much as we might not want to admit that that's our true self, the the real nature of ourselves coming out, it's revealed how comfortably we live our lives and how much we enjoy our comfortable lives, right? We've spent most of the last year in a season of interruptions, schools changing, online learning, in-person, distance, people trying homeschool for the first time, learning to work from home, chaos, stress, job loss, uncertainty, and no matter what side of the spectrum you fall on in regards to the virus and the effects that it has caused, it has a feel of, will this ever end? Will we ever get back to normal? Here's the part we have to hold on to. A, there's this groaning, a, a cry that we have, that we, we, want, we want things to happen in our lives, but what we have to hold on to is, although it may not look like much on the surface, we don't know what God is working on in the background. We don't know what God is working and shifting around in the background that we can't see, but we want instant results, don't we? We want instant results. We want, we want the, the benefits of, 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 of all the benefits of, benefits of God without having to wait on God. What do we do if that doesn't go back to normal? How do we live? Do our our dreams die? Do our hopes die? die? Could it be that this last year has been used to reveal to all of us the idols that we have in our lives? Has it revealed that we like our lives just the way that they are and we don't wanna change anything? In the middle of all that, we have to understand that God is working in our waiting He did it for the Israelites when they were waiting on the Messiah, and he's still doing it today. And just as he heard the the groanings of the Israelites, he hears the groaning of his children today. I'm going to look back to Luke. If you have your Bibles, you can turn back there. Luke chapter 2, but we're going to be in the latter half of it, verse 39 and 40 is what it says. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. Child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God was with him. One of the beautiful parts of scripture is that we can see on a 30,000 foot view, if we take a step back and look at it, we see all these dots that are connected which I'm really excited about because next year, the entire year for 52 weeks, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna walk through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation and we're gonna talk about how all those things connect. And so you, you look at it and there's these dots that will connect from story to story, from, 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 from person to person, from generation to generation. So let's talk about a few of those in this story of Jesus's birth. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which is, happens to be the city of David's birth. Now, this is also the city that David was anointed as king by the prophet Samuel. If you remember, Samuel gathered, he went to Jesse and said, bring me your sons, and I'm going to anoint the one that God tells me is the king. And he brings out his sons, except for David, and Samuel says, no, there's one more. Is there anybody else? Yes, there's one more. He's in the field. He's like, he's not the king, but he was the king. He brings him and he anoints him here in Bethlehem. So Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem, but it's the city of David's birth. It's also the city that David was anointed in. And Jesus being the son of David, he refers to himself as that, the son of man or the son of David. He is the better David, but the connections go even deeper. The root of Jesse. Jesus grew up in a town called Nazareth. One of my favorite memories from my Israel trip was going to, they have an old town, Nazareth. That's not the, it's not like this isn't the city that, G, the town that Jesus lived in exactly. Uh, but they have, they've remade this town and they, they show you how exactly how Jesus would have lived in his time in this little town, farming, agriculture, very lowly working class town. Not this high, powerful, strong place that you think a king would come from. It was unexpected. In this town of Nazareth, remember they fled to Bethlehem to be birthed, to, for Jesus to be born. He goes back to Nazareth. And the city of Nazareth is, like I said, just small, un, un, uh, I guess, this small town out in the, out in the country. And it's like, wh- why in the world would, would a king come from here? He's supposed to come from this, this, this really high class, strong lineage, although they didn't know that Dave, Jesus was coming from the lineage of David. Here's here's the connection I want to make. The Hebrew word, the Hebrew root word for Nazareth is natser, which means sprout or branch. The son of David, the root of Jesse, as Isaiah says, living and growing up in a city that means root or sprout. 700 years later, That the prophet Isaiah says, soon there's gonna be a a, a one that comes from the stump. There's gonna be a sprout from the stump of the root of Jesse, and it's gonna be the Messiah. He's gonna be the one that's gonna rule and reign over, not just us as a people, but the world. 700 years later. So look at verse 40 again to renew our minds here. the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. Now, what we have to understand is Jesus did not come out of the womb bossing everybody around and ruling and reigning. He did not come out like Boss Baby, if you've seen that, if you have children. He did not come out in a suit and leading the people and here's what we're gonna do. No, he came into this little town born of a virgin, Mary and Joseph, this newly married couple, and they raised him says that he grew in stature and wisdom as other children do. So even after the birth of Jesus, even after the, the arrival of the Messiah, what was there was a sense of waiting. There's that word again, waiting, that we don't like, but it's the reality of life and knowing that God does not work in our construct of time. He's saying, you know, there's this waiting even after the birth of Jesus, because he had to wait for the time, his time was to come to accomplish what he came to do. And here's what I want you to be reminded of this morning. Josh, you can come, is that Jesus' birth reminds us that even in the waiting, God is working even in our waiting, even though that is challenging and difficult and it may not look like much, that God is still working in our waiting. That when we look around and it looks like a field of stumps and destruction and desolation, and it looks like a lot of confusion and a lot of frustration, God is working in our waiting. When we can't see it, it looks like a stump, nothing there, but the roots are growing deep into the ground. Looks like nothing is there, but there's life that's growing on the inside of the stump. You may not see it right now. Here's my challenge and encouragement to you: keep holding out hope. Keep holding out hope. R.G. Lee said this about Jesus and His birth in Bethlehem: humility and glory in their in their extremes were joined born in a stable, cradled in a cattle trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes, the clothes of poverty. No room for him who made all rooms. No place for him who made, who made and knows all places. Oh, deep humiliation of the creator, born of the creature woman. But in his descent was the dawn of mercy because we cannot ascend to him. He ascends to us. The story of the birth of Jesus is a story of grace and mercy. That God himself would come in flesh and person in full human form as a baby to come to this world to radically change and revolutionize, not just the religious system, but the world as a whole. humbled himself for you and for I. When it seems like all hope is lost, when it seems like God has given up on his people, he was faithful and he is still faithful. The root of Jesse in the flesh now in our hearts. So what does this mean for you and I? The first step, maybe for you, Maybe the first step for you is just putting your trust in Jesus for the first time. You could be here in person or you could be watching online with us. And your first step is just, you're, you're hitting all this stuff and you're thinking, I, I don't understand everything that you have talked about tonight, but I, I do know that I'm in need of something bigger than myself. And you're bigger than myself. And you're understanding that you are in need of a savior. And so today your first step is just putting your trust in Jesus and deciding to follow him and, and living your life for him. And it's as simple as that. It's just saying, Jesus, I trust you. I put my trust in you. I'm going to follow you. But for the rest of us in the room, those that are followers of Jesus, it's looking out at the stumps. It's looking out of the field of dead dreams and dead hopes and wondering if anything is ever going to take place when I look out in this open field of a bunch of stumps and it's trusting that Jesus is still going to do what he said he's going to do that he has been faithful to his word all the way from Genesis three fifteen to the birth of Jesus. And he's been faithful to his word from then until now. And it, when we look out, it may not look like much, but Jesus is working in the background. And eventually there's gonna be some growth that's gonna take place in some of those thumps. And you're gonna start to see some answers to your prayers. A wayward child, a, a dream unfulfilled, a prayer that was never answered, trusting that Jesus is going to bring it to pass.